My guest today is Seema Newell. She's the founder of Executive Reflections. Seema is one of my deep foundation NLP students who is an executive coach specializing in supporting senior leaders through burnout so that they can thrive again professionally and personally. Her vision is to promote healthy leadership and healthy workplaces. We'll hear all about that on today's podcast. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Good morning, Seema. Good morning, Doug. How are you? Or should I say good afternoon for you? Yes, actually. It's about 20 to 5 here. 20 to 5? Where the heck are you? I'm in Switzerland. Switzerland? Uh, We just had a big dump of snow. Oh, good for you. You, Do you ski? Yes, I do. I haven't been yet. I've been shoveling. <laughs> you mean today or this season? Both. <laughs> Yesterday uh, and today. That was my that was my fitness. <laughs> I was just shoveling. Oh yeah. I'm from Buffalo, so I know all about that. Although I'm not in Buffalo anymore, but I've certainly have paid my dues from shoveling snow big time. Um but you don't sound like you're from Switzerland. No, no, I'm from Montreal. I've been to Buffalo. Wings. Well, wings. Lucky yeah. you. <laughs> Buffalo wings. Driving up from I don't know where. I don't remember when I was a kid. But yeah, I'm from Montreal originally. Well, so yeah. do you mind just telling us what, what you're doing over there in Switzerland? Oh, well, right now, I mean, as your lovely introduction said, <laughs> yeah. I, I do leadership coaching for, for burnout. Um, I didn't come here to do that. I came here for an eight-week contract in 1997 um, in one of the UN organizations and just kind of wound up staying there for 20 years. I mean, not in that, not in that organization, but wound up staying in the United Nations for a long time. Um, wow. That's what brought me here. Yeah. So how long were you there in the United Nations organization? About 20 years. Wow, really? Yeah, from... 1997 to 2017. Yeah, that would be. That would be yeah. 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 Fascinating. So tell me, I think this is useful information for people. This is the, yeah. the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. A lot of coaches will be tuning in here. How do you? How did you make that transition and why? That's a story. So I was... Um, I come from a tech background. I'm an engineer by training. And I went to the UN to help with internet stuff, like building websites back in 1997. Um, And fast forwarded to, you know, to the, I guess, 10, 15 years later, I was the chief information officer in UNAIDS. And uh, I can say I can say all this publicly. I was harassed. I, I won my case, so I was harassed while I was there, um, and reported it. And that led to a whole stream of events where I shifted. Like I had a huge um, 
personal learning. It was a professional harassment and, and mobbing. And it was just a really, at that point, I, I felt it was a toxic environment. And, um, and that led me to do a lot of reflection. And I was leading a big team at that point. I had about 40 people in seven locations around the world. And I was, uh, you know, so I had a lot of responsibility. And the part that I really loved was mentoring my team. Like I loved growing leaders. <laughs> I love leadership. I love growing leaders. And I just started to ask. And I think I would imagine that anybody who's been in that kind of situation with what just happened, like who are these people that leave messes to mop up for, you know, I started to ask, like, how could that happen? And how can, how does that relate to, is it, is it part of the job? You know, is it part of the expectations of a, of a big organization? So I started reading and there's like a lot back here. <laughs> not a virtual background started reading on that and realized no actually it's completely the opposite that top performing leadership is authentic and compassionate and low ego and I mean we've talked a lot about values in deep NLP and you know there are a lot of values over here that I aspire to and that I espouse and then at the other end there was this really like kind of very very toxic belittling uh, controlling type behavior. And those organizations actually tend to perform less well. So I thought, well, that's really interesting. And the, the, the people in the middle who have the kind of values that I had wind up, um, wind up burning out, you know, because ah. you're trying to, uh, you know, you're trying to, um, go in one direction and the culture of the organization is going in another. So that's how I, that's how I shifted. I took the part that I loved, which was coaching my people and mentoring my people and, uh, and realizing that there's a, there's a wider need because it's something you feel so isolated. It's not talked about. Wow. Um, there was a wider need to, to do that. So that's how I did this. It was a little bit of trial by fire. Wow. That's so good. <laughs> now it's good. I did not know that story. That is fascinating, but it's, it just is one of those stories that you go like, this sucked. This was horrible. And look where you are now. I mean, that is what well, you you've totally made. Um, I don't know, way beyond lemonade uh, from the, yes. you know, it's, it's a, a whole new concoction with lemons, lemon frosts or something. I don't know. But, but it sounds like you, you develop boundaries and resilience and identity and tools and evolution. Yeah. Um, could you tell us about your bright, Method. That's because that's what that stands for: boundaries, right. resilience, identity tools, and evolution. So, I wanted to make something practical. Like, what? What are? It took me a long time, Doug, to figure this out. Like, to get to the point where I felt well again, where I felt, mm. uh, you know, I was I was so burned out. Um, I was forgetting money at the bank machine. I was leaving without the money. I mean, I could give a whole list of stories. That doesn't answer your question directly. So we can come back around to it if you want to hear some of those examples. But um, so it took me like three, four years to get to the point where I was going, yeah, I've got this. I know I'm good. You know, I, and the burnout didn't start the day I'd left. The burnout was, you know, had started before. Yeah. And I thought, what are the key ingredients? Like after having gone through it, after having watched every video, read all the literature, talked to, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists and, and done this research, like what are the key ingredients? What were the parts that got me through it? And what's the, what's the most effective order 
to do that. So that's where I came up with bright. So the first part is boundaries. And I, it's one of those terms that gets bantered around a lot. Um, and for, for what I like to start with is really what's most important to you? What are your priorities? What have you forgotten in this race that to get ahead and to, to, um, overcompensate for the, you know, for this, what is typically a values misalignment. It's like you're the clutch. Mm -hmm. you know, you've got the engine going at one speed and the wheels going at the other. And, and if they're not the same, you get burned. So, you know, it goes on too long. So the first one is really what reconnecting with what's important and setting some boundaries around those so that you start to protect that even in small steps, right? Yeah. You can't do everything at once. We've been talking about that this week. Right. In Deep Foundation NLP, which is awesome, by the way. So, um, so that's the that's the the first piece, and then there are elements around really developing your resilience. So, looking looking at what's really important. Why are you not focusing so much only on the urgent, but also on the important? What's important to you? What's fundamentally important to you? And where have you had the high points in your life? You know, we talk a lot about purpose and identity, and those are so important. And yeah. when you, you know, by the time you're a senior leader, you've, you have enough life experience to go, hey, wait, those are my high points. That was where I was really on fire. This is where it was really bad. And you can start to find that red thread or the golden thread that goes through it all. So, so that's, you know, you can become more resilient to weathering the storm. So resilience and identity, they feed into each other and then tools and techniques. I mean, then what do you do? Like, how do you communicate better? How do you negotiate better? How do you secure, whether it's your promotion or whether it's finding another job or what you're, whatever you're looking for, what techniques can you use practically to make that happen? And then it's a circle, it's an evolution because you, as you progress, you set higher goals or you set different right. goals. You decide you don't need higher goals and you, chill out, but you evolve, you know? Let me, let me just, let me stop you there. I want to get through the rest of your bright thing, but I'm, I'm just curious about this. Do you, in your work, you've used, you developed this because of like your own burnout mm. that took place. And then you've been working with a lot of people with this. Do you find that there's a sort of commonality as to what causes burnout in the first place, that there's a certain element or certain thing that is, you know, if you can handle that, then you can, take care of burnout, you can build the resilience so you won't have that again? Or, or what, what have you discovered? So what I found is, and that's a great question. What I found is the, um, it's rarely in isolation. Uh -huh. So what, what we all have tend, what I tend to do, what my clients tend to do is keep doing the same things that have, that has always worked. So it tends to be um, work more, uh, it's okay if I got to throw in a weekend or throw in an evening and that in and of itself isn't going to cause a burnout. Right. And even if you're in a, if you have a lot of responsibility, sometimes you'll have projects and you just have to do that, or there's a crisis, you know, and you have to do that. Um, so that, that alone doesn't tend to cause a burnout. And if it does, it's fairly easy to recover from because you can change jobs and you'll be in a better environment. It'll be okay. What, happens though and, and i've i tried i created this term called complex burnout because at at uh when i was at the world health organization we talked about complex emergencies and those are 
Those are health emergencies that are layered on top of other problems like war or famine or something. And so they're complex emergencies. And I thought this is complex burnout, right? So if you have all those, all those pieces where you're working too hard, you're doing too much, um, and you have a sick family member and you have to do caregiving, I mean, mm. you know, maybe aging parents or um, God forbid, sick children or your own health issues or divorce or relationship issues. Like when you start accumulating these things, mm-hmm. you lose your sense of self and that becomes very hard um, to, you know, to manage. And then what often is a trigger and when people come to me and maybe it's partly because of my story and people resonate with that, or maybe it's just too darn prevalent. Uh, people will come to me and say, you know, I have a really weak manager. And then they describe what's going on and they're being gaslit. These people are skipping one-on-one meetings. They're going behind their back. They're cutting them out of the loop. And these are all very classic abusive techniques. Like they're very classic toxic behaviors. And so if you have a toxic environment and you're working hard to compensate for that, and then you have something else, it's sort of the perfect storm to get yourself, especially for high achievers who have always thrived on doing more to get out of it for getting into a really bad state. Um, I can imagine. I can only imagine that, um, you know, you and I also know each other through the havening techniques. And one of the things that is an element in trauma is that there's inability to escape. Now, there are four elements that have been noted as as elements for trauma, but one of them is the inescapability, which just tangentially is where the word havening comes from. We we help a person get to a sense of a safe haven. But in in the traumatization process, there is no way to get there. There's... There's no escape. If this person is your boss and you need this job and they're doing this stuff, it's like it, it you know, yeah. is yeah. Huge, I can't can't imagine how that couldn't be yeah. an element of of, of burnout, uh, of stress, of overwhelm. Just how how can you handle that? And I see it with I see it with um, you know, as coaches, we're also often solopreneurs or small business mm-hmm. leaders and so there is this sense of i like if i want to eat i must continue coaching right i need clients i have to continue sure. and then if you wind up with somebody in your team who's manipulative right it could take a while and that really like that apple can spoil the barrel it causes mm. a lot of problems and then if you compound it, an external challenge you can have that same you know, that same spiral. So it's not just in a corporate setting right, right. That, that this happens, right? And and I hear so much, especially there's that phase in, in business where you've gotten it off the ground and you're hustling yourself to death. <laughs> and, huh. you need, and, and then it's exactly what you're saying. You feel like you can't get out, you know, and you need that safe haven. Absolutely. I've, I've, I've been there. Yeah. When my wife and I moved to, to Vermont a few years ago, um, when a, f- a few years, 25 years ago. Um, yeah, I just basically quit doing this, this stuff that I do okay. for a while. I, I got a job, you know, <laughs> selling audio video equipment because I just, I needed a break. And I, did, I at the time I thought I'm just done. Forget it. I'm not doing that anymore. But, uh, you know, I no. found new ways of, of make, making sure when those kinds of things happen that you recognize it. No. Not take it personally, like I, I'm at fault here that I, I I caused this or whatever. So it's not personal. It's not pervasive. But, you know, you, you have to figure out a way to say, okay, let's, let's 
compartmentalize this or stop this or get rid of this or, you know, get that rotten apple out of this bushel basket. Exactly. And, uh, and as coaches, we're caring people. So that can also be a, you know, a, that's a hurdle to and a growth and a learning opportunity. And it's not easy. Right? Easy. Yeah. So let's, let's get back to your bright. So yeah. we have yeah. boundaries, resilience. What's the I stand for? Identity. Oh. So who, who are you as a person? What is your purpose? What, what lights you up? Um, that feeds into your resilience, right? Like in terms of being able to set and maintain those boundaries, because, you know, when we start, it's sort of like, okay, well, I'd love to be able to have a little more exercise time and I need to protect that or more time with my family. I need to protect that. Um, when you go up into the, into your purpose level, like what has really, what, what are the high points in your life? You know, where have you just been going? Wow. And, and I have a process that I go through where we, we look at different areas and find the commonalities, find the differences, um, and usually try to come out with two words um, that really resonate with somebody um, that that describes, "Hey, this is who I am." Like if I when I'm doing this in one way, shape, or form, uh, I'm I'm in my zone. I can get into flow easily. I can perform well. I can do all of that, and that is just so so important to reconnect with and to be aware of because then then you can find the types of roles or the types of organizations or the types of functions or the types of clients or whatever it is that you're looking for that are going to align well with you and where you're going to feel good you know and, and that that's sort of the opposite of burnout gotcha yeah, yeah it makes good sense yeah just a quick question um mm -hmm. i noticed on your on your uh, website that it's about senior leadership. Mm -hmm. Is this only for senior leadership or is this apply to other people as well? It applies to everybody. Okay. When I was first starting, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, I think everybody says this, like we all think our stuff is amazing and everybody should have learned it all in school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, when I first started, I wasn't sure which cohort I wanted to work with and I was, trying this out with different people. And one of the, one of the people I was working with was somebody who was in an abusive personal relationship. And we followed this method and she wound up happily and thankfully divorced, mm -hmm. um, new life, new job, new apartment, and just couldn't be doing better. Um, and then I realized the, and coming back to alignment with myself and my purpose, I'm somebody who is also, uh, I love leadership. I love uh, I love the intellectual challenge and the communications challenge around that. And so those were the people that I really wanted to work with because because we we group you know <laughs> we get along. So um, so it was really a choice to focus there. So the methodology itself, I mean, it's very, it's very fundamental. My own route came from this, this research on what leadership and my experience. And then also, I think people look to, I'm, I'm lucky, I guess, that I'm able to talk about this. You know, most of the time, this is something that's hidden. It's something that's not put out. And what had happened to me is not put out in the open, you know, any kind of harassment or toxic environment is just not out there. Um, mine happened to land at the time 
of the Me Too movement, and there were journalists who were asking questions mm -hmm. um, about other parts of the organization, and they eventually connected with me as well. So it's out there. It's in the open. I can speak about it. Um, and that, I think, allows people to, that haven, to feel a bit safe that I have the experience. I know, you know, when you're in a senior leadership position, you have to keep certain things confidential. You have to keep, when you're a coach, you have to keep certain things confidential. You can't, you know, and, and you can't, that, that finesse and that sensitivity um, while still looking for results is something that I, I know and I can relate to. And, and so I just thought that was useful, fun, and can change the world, right? Because if you have healthier leadership, you're going to have healthier work environments and that impacts a lot of people. So my little piece to contribute to a better, better uh, world is really through that, through that entry point. Right. Yeah. It makes good sense. And so when a person can build a greater identity, and it does feed into the resilience, doesn't it? So yeah. you need a strong identity to have good resilience and need good resilience to maintain that strong identity. It's they, they do. They all kind of feed into each other, don't they? I, I had one client who was, she was, uh, you know, vice president of product, you know, user, user experience work mm -hmm. um, in a, in a big organization. And as we worked together, she realized that the, things that really led her off were traveling and training, mm -hmm. you know, and the, those were the parts that whenever she was at her best, she was somewhere else and she was training people. So uh -huh. it became obvious for her what kind of role to look for and sure. why that user experience stuff, it really is about making things work well for people, you know, but it gives a lens. And then if you wind up with an offer that isn't aligned with that, you just know it's not going to, it can be a stepping stone if you need to get out of something quickly, but it's not, you know, and it's based on your skills and what you're good at, but there's more than just your skills. You're really in your zone when you're applying your skills and it's aligned with what really, you know. Yeah. Like Doug, I would imagine that music for you is somewhere it's very important, you know, um, oh, yeah. disconnected with that. It, it doesn't matter what you did. If somebody said, I'm sorry, but we're moving you to Botswana and you're going to be working with, you know, you would find a way for music to happen in your life. Oh yeah. 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 No like doubt about it. Fundamental. Yeah. Um, and like I said, when I moved to Vermont and to quit all this stuff, I got a job selling audio video equipment. Yeah. You know, it was audio. It was like, Hey, I do music. I know all this stuff. I've been using this stuff there's equipment in my band and stuff over the years. So I was really good at the television, not so much, but I learned it. It's not that hard. Um, you know, so absolutely it was in, in the fields and you find what's important to you. And I want to say this, there's a element that is also, I'm, I think it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's part of your, your system, but that is, um, and music is the same way. When I, when I practice the piano over there, I, I practice daily basic stuff, tools that I have of scales and arpeggios and, and different things. And I, and I have a metronome. So I'm pra practicing. I've been doing this for 50 years, but I practice with a metronome sometimes to just make sure I'm still, you know, getting those basic things. And these are, these are tools of the trade, if you will. And NLP is a, is a treasure trove of tools. If you don't know how to use those tools, then, you know, you're just looking at his messy workbench and don't know what, which way he's up. What are the tools that you employ? Because that is part of your thing, isn't that? Isn't that the yeah, team? Yeah, the next part? one, tools and techniques. 
I, I couldn't decide whether I wanted tools or techniques. So it's actually, I guess it's a bit of. Right, um, I'll let you take it from here. Go, go, go. Yeah, go, go. All right. <laughs> so um, the tools that I tend to focus on because it's, you, as you said, there's a treasure trove and we can pick a lot. Um, what, what I tend to focus on are the ones that are going to help people communicate and persuade better. Okay. Um, because that's just so important for my, well, it's important for my cohort. And it was also important, like I said, for that first person to be able to, when you want to set boundaries, how do you say no to somebody gracefully? Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> you know, yeah. how do you manage yourself so that when you get pushback, you're not swaying in the wind with every bit of pushback because as soon as you start shifting how you behave and you're changing patterns with how you relate to other people, they will push you back to try to keep you the way you were before. Cause that's predictable and they feel safe with knowing you're going to be like that. So, yeah. so as you step out of your own, um, you know, where you had gotten yourself stuck and you get into this new place where you could thrive, you're going to get that pushback. So being able to, uh, communicate uh, persuasively and empathetically and authentically and decisively, like all of those together are, are really important. And then persuasively, right? Like to be able to, to get, build your allies and get people on your side and, and rally people around you. Those are all super important. And, and to be able to then go after and achieve whatever you want. So I tend to focus mostly around those because that's what comes up the most. Obviously, there's a treasure trove of other things. So when somebody, you know, if I'm working one on one with somebody and they have a specific need, um, you know, we were talking recently, I think about some clients that I have that are that are prone to just they get angry really easily. And then I will work through them with other techniques so that they're able to find other ways of reacting um, so that they can then communicate effectively. Because if you go in just yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work, right? That's great because you know one does need to in situations that, such, such as you've described where there is like gaslighting and all this kind of stuff. Anger would be a natural response, but you also have to be aware that you can't just burn the house down. That's not you know necessarily going to be the best response. You can use that anger in a good way yeah. you know you know let it be a positive resource to, to but you have to channel it don't you so do yeah, you yeah. teach techniques for for being able to do that so it's really interesting what you said because the um, the those toxic environments they they trigger your amygdala like they trigger your right. fight flight freeze exactly. and anger is fight Right. right. People who are angry, they're like, all right, it's like this bring it on and another thing, and yeah. I can't take it, and there's a problem, and da, 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 and they're in fight. Um, a lot of people go into flight, so they're just like, I'm out of here, or freeze. They don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. So depending on what their uh their fear reaction in a way is, or their fighting reaction is, there are different techniques to um to bring somebody around and have them feel more grounded. I mean, the goal is to feel more grounded and, and to, to first be aware, like the first step is being aware that a, this is your emotion and B it, it, it is serving you and mm -hmm. C there may be other ways that you can, uh, that you can feel that will serve you differently or better. Yeah. And, yeah. and then how do you, how do you manage that and how do you manage yourself? And then how do you manage those around you? 
And knowing that when you're in a toxic environment like that, you're in a fight you never asked for. So if Mm. you're feeling that it is actually, you know, I think you have a hundred million neurons in your gut. (laughs) If you're feeling that, it's your second brain. If you're feeling something in your gut is off, something's off. Trust it. hundred million. Yeah. There's no neocortex for you to make sense out of it, but it's real. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you're talking about working, do you work in groups and individuals? Yes. Actually, right now I'm doing a lot of private coaching and groups. So it's a hybrid, hybrid, um, because at the beginning, it's really important that me walking them through these steps really helps. Are the individuals part of the groups? The individuals are part of the groups because it helps you build a new network, a wider network. And um, and I I adopted a method that you inspired me on actually, which was the dojo approach. Oh, I used to do karate. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I really liked that because I do find that the people that have been in the group and have gone on and continued to work with me, they forget some of those basic tools. And having people bring them up and go, oh yeah, right, the personality. That's one of the other sets of tools that I do a lot around is personality work. Yeah. I think I re- I think I remember on one of your videos you talked about how you were into Jungian psychology. We do a mm-hmm. lot of you know yep. Jungian type personality work, and uh, because then you can read people quickly and and um, and they'll forget that. Oh yeah, that's right. You know that colleague is really they like the processes, don't they? You know I've got to give them more data and more structure. You know, and that one's going to be really hurt if I and just being able to understand in 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 quick ways who you're working with can help you navigate the situation. Yeah. No, when Shelly Rose Chervais did that lab yeah. profile thing on me during the, the um, during the fundraiser, it was like, Oh my goodness, that is just way too close to home. I don't, it's <laughs> like, here's a mirror for you. Look at yourself. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's powerful stuff. So yeah. then once they have the boundaries and um, resilience, mm-hmm and the identity and tools what's the e stand for evolution so then that's where we go and we look at you know where do you really want to be um in uh and this was drawn from some people that i had worked with that knew nlp and we were doing some future pacing to be like where do you really want to be in in a year and then what do you need to do in the next 90 days towards that. And so we work in 90 day cycles, you know, quarterly cycles to move towards um, where they, where they want to go, but really getting out of their own head and their own way of their, because especially senior leaders tend to be uh, very sort of results driven and let's build a Gantt chart. You know, we're going to make a plan and we're going to make a giant waterfall model. If this is going to happen, then that's going to happen. Then that's going to happen. Then that's going to happen. And that's not always connected with who they are, especially if they've lost that connection. So really getting back to that, okay, here's where I'd really like to be. And then the, then you'll start, you know, you'll start looking for those opportunities. Your brain will automatically just kick in and your reticular activating system is going to kick in and find the, the op- see the opportunities for you that are right in front of you that align with that. So it's really important to have that. And then as you go in that direction, the struggles that you may have had four months ago or six months ago, how do I deal with this crazy person may not be the same struggles and yet you have new challenges, right? So then you evolve and you apply 
the different different parts of the tools or different parts of the techniques or create different boundaries or something happens in your life and you need to make space for it. So it really is an evolutionary process. It's not like you're done because yeah. you haven't finished growing. You know? Yeah. Especially if you're a little bit, you know, high achieving, high flying, ambitious type, which tend to be my people. Um, so. So that's fascinating to me. I, I really admire that. It's a great acronym, right? It really mm -hmm. works. It doesn't like it doesn't seem like you forced it at all. It seems like it evolved and just became that because you need boundaries. Oh my God, so important, critically important. Yeah. Um, and but you also have to have resilience and it would be able to step out of that and know what's what's right and stand for what's right if it is, or you know, be able to have the the insight as to step out of it if it's not necessary and let it go by. And but also to have a firm identity and definition of who you are in order to be able to do that and say, if I let go, it's like it doesn't mean I'm any less. I'm just being smart here mm -hmm. and you know, step out of that sort of thing, have the tools and techniques to be able to do that and then to evolve from there. Yeah. It's, just, it's just great model. Yeah. Um, tell me this for a person who's listening to this podcast. Um, I know that you've got a website. I'm sorry. I don't remember what it is offhand. Um, ex executive reflections. Yeah. Executive reflections. Com. Yeah. You've got tools on there. Don't you, that people can download for free. There's a free it's starting at the beginning. There's a free tool for quickly setting some boundaries, 15 minutes. You know, wow. just really quickly going through and having a quick look at, you know, what's fallen off, what's really important to you with a caveat that if you're really dealing with toxic people, it's a slightly different game. Um, and that is also a set of tools that I teach is like, okay, well, how do you identify and navigate when you really have some manipulator in your midst? But even if you don't, or even if you do being able to start setting those boundaries on, on, reconnecting with them is a great like it's just a great place to start because then you start to have the mental space uh -huh. to look for your safe haven right to look for what's next like you can't you can't you can't keep being depleted you have to refill yeah a little bit for sure absolutely do you teach your bright method or do you just do it i do it okay i do it um, I have, I have, um, at various points done some online versions, but it's still having people do it. Okay. You know? So uh, for the people listening to this, and what can they, <laughs> what can they take home as an essential coaching skill? Cause we like to talk about what are, what can we learn? What would be an essential skill for me as a coach to, to have to, in order to be a better coach? Oh, sorry. Sorry, that's my FaceTime connected on my computer. I'm really sorry. Anyway, <laughs> things happen. Those essential coaching skills: how to get FaceTime quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, it's funny you should ask that, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I've been reflecting on that. It sort of felt like my homework. I'm like, okay, I got to think <laughs> what that's going to be, you know. And you know, the some of the obvious things came to mind first, which was like, you got to be able to ask, you got to be able to hold space and ask great questions, and you need to be good at marketing and all that. And then what I realized was underneath all of that, mm -hmm. I think an essential coaching skill is to really be in touch with your own values for a whole lot of reasons. Um, you know, so if I look at some, my 
we've gone through values and some of them I think didn't even make it on the list because they're so fundamental. Mm -hmm. um, but things like for me, values are health before work. My health had been up there on my values list and integrity and respect. And it's important that people know that about you as a coach, because then you're going to find people that align with those values. Like somebody who's really, um, somebody who's really like, Machiavellianly ambitious is never going to connect with me, and that's totally fine. Like we wouldn't be a good fit. So I'm going to do a better job of helping people when um, I'm keenly aware of my own values and when I'm able to express them clearly, and the ones that are related to my work, you know, especially in, in that context. And so I think that really is an important skill because it helps you both as a coach because you're going to come from that place and you're going to. You're going to have clients you like to work with. And then also on that marketing side of being able to express those values and say, hey, this is who I am. If that if that connects, if that lands, if that resonates, if you see it, then, you know, we should, uh, you know, we should at least have a have a conversation because because that's that's a distinguishing factor that isn't just about the what I do, you know, no. or what you do as a coach, like. And, and I was even thinking about it. Um, it was interesting when I was reflecting on the, the, this question and I was thinking, okay, well, what, you know, why did I connect with Doug? And I think it's because we have common values. You know, it's, I know you've done a million things, you know, you've done smoking cessation and you've done hypnosis and you've done this. And, and yet I'm sure if we went through a list of values, there would be some that, that we really connect on because otherwise it wouldn't be like, yeah, yeah, I want to work with Doug. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, it that's really important to know because you're going to feel healthier, <laughs> you're going to feel better about yourself, yeah, and yeah. then and then you're also going to find people that you like to work with, and it'll, it'll be easier to find them. Oh my God, yeah, easier yeah. To, easier to find them because it is a way in a way you're sending up a niche, and it's 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 who you are. So it, it's almost like this cosmic thing takes place. There, it's that this. Mm -hmm. Home, home, homing signal starts yeah. being emitted. So people go like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa there's something that sounds familiar," and, it, and it's it's almost magical. I exactly. think. Exactly. So that's that's the part that's quite important. Cool. Yeah. And and I know that we've done values elicitation in the NLP class, etc. Did you have a pretty clear idea of what your values were before we did that, or was this just new information to you? I suspect not. No, I had a pretty clear idea, although some of them, because we went through 10, uh -huh. you know, came out and it was also a wider experience because it was really sort of like every part of my life and the ones that I tend to in work talk about the most, uh -huh. like I'll put health before work, because like if I'm a burnout coach and that's not there, it's not going to come out as much, right? Um, and then one of the ones that we talked about also was integrity. And it didn't even make in the first list because it's so fundamental. Um, and one that I have that I haven't even, I don't even think I got on that list was honesty, even though it's something that's really important to me. But it's so fundamental, I forget that people don't have it. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're going to have it as a value necessarily. And, and that is a very interesting thing about, and I won't, I won't jump on my soapbox. I won't do it. But, um, but it's an interesting thing about the values of elicitation is that things that are fundamental to us often don't make the first pass yeah. because we just assume it. And of course, you're going to be honest. Of course, you're going to have integrity. You know, it's of course. But what's interesting is if they if, they, if you do a values of elicitation and you get to a certain level, and the person goes, well, that, 
that's kind of it. Yeah. And then you press them and you say, well, come on, if there was something else, what yeah. might it be? What could it, what else could be on that list? And they're going, well, I guess I had to. Honesty, honesty is important. <laughs> and it's actually really important. Yeah. And then, then when you do the, the, the hierarchy thing, it turns out like that's number one or yeah. number two, or, you know, it's up there. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Um, and of course, because it is so integral, if you didn't elicit it, it is still be there. Just because yeah. it's not on your cognitive list doesn't mean it's not actively engaged in, in your, your, your ism, your body, you know. Integrity is a great one because it wasn't on my first iteration list. And it's so fundamental. I mean, the, the, um, the root of the word is integral. It's about being whole. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there is, and there's integrity in terms of honoring your commitments to others, but there's also integrity about honoring your commitment to self. And we tend to forget that. Yeah. Uh, and there's been research from Harvard Business School that shows, I think it's a 300% increase in productivity and output with no change in input when you honor your integrity to yourself. Like Self-integrity is very fundamental. So those boundaries and holding them, you will immediately be more productive without doing anything else if you just keep your word uh, or, you know, let people know if you can't and let, you know, and it goes back to, even those habit changing things are like, if you're committed, if you're committed to yourself and to, to doing what you need to do, then you're going to make those habit changes and you're not going to, um, you know, yeah. miss them when you, when you decide you're going to do them. And that's a very fundamental, fundamental piece, right? Wow. That's, that's great. Yeah. Harvard business school. I think I've heard of them. They, yeah. Uh... <laughs> They're kind of known. I'll have, to, I'll have to do some research. I'll Google it. I, I, I'm sure I've come across them once or twice. Um, obscure little group somewhere. Yeah, somewhere yeah, Boston-ish or something. Yeah. <laughs> Harvard. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah, we are big rivals. When I when I went to Yale, no, I'm just being, I'm <laughs> doing a George Santos. <laughs> oh, God. I was well, it was high. It was it was further north. We got more, you know, weather. So you went to McGill, right? Yeah, I went to McGill. That's in yeah. Montreal. That's in Montreal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you studied what? engineering, electrical engineering, electrical engineering. Yeah, I have masters in electrical engineering, telecommunications. Um, and the reason I did electrical was because there's a certain element of magic in it, right? Like mechanical engineering seemed very well mechanical. And this whole thing about, you know, the electrons and the, <laughs> and the fact that Maxwell's equations, it doesn't all line up. And we don't know why there is always a positive and negative charge, but you can't separate a magnet without getting two more magnets. Like, it's kind of cool, right? Yeah. So I thought that was really neat. And I, that's what I'm studying. And here I am, you know. Baby, look at you now. Looking at something <laughs> completely different world, right? Does it ever, ever enter into your life? Does it ever inform what you do? Um, yeah, it does in the sense, in the sense that I can understand people who are very, like, very logical and structured or very technical, um, who, who get, or very scientific or very like financial, those numbers, people who often feel very misunderstood. And then how can they, how can they do the negotiations? How do they have to present themselves? Cause that is a, you know, that's definitely a path that I've been through. It's sort of a side effect of where I am or what I do. And then um, in terms of on a, on a spiritual side and looking at, 
you know, how do you bring things into your, into your sphere? Anytime anybody talks about quantum physics, I read the research. Like I actually, I'll go and read the papers on quantum physics. I'll be like, yeah, that one's cool. That one, yeah, you know? And so, and so I have a real sense of where it's really like, it's it. And it's amazing how much has changed in 30 years since I studied it. Hmm. Um, and, and how much evolution we know about consciousness. I mean, and this whole thing that we do in coaching is about consciousness, isn't it? You know, yeah. And what's in our awareness and what's not. So I find that, like, I find it, it funnily, the whole magic comes together. It is really quite inspiring. I like that word funnily, funnily. It's like it's it's a funnel that comes in. Funnily enough. Yeah, it's good word. Let me write that down. Funnily. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I find, you know, like my my former field of music, you know, there's a lot of metaphors that I can pull out of out of music and you know, practicing the piano or a lot of a lot of metaphors. Um, I'm just sure that there are lots of metaphors in electrical engineering if you've Stop to think about it. That, that well, I do use the, the mechanical engineering one of the clutch before, you know, between the wheels and the engine. And, and you know, so I will often, um, I will often probably use some of those uh, very kinesthetic, those very dynamic, yeah. you know, <laughs> metaphors yeah. just because it's my background. Like I know that stuff, you know, yeah. airplanes are cool too. Like, but just as an example, I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've fixed things for people. Um, electronic things. Yeah. Because um, I just happened to notice that it wasn't plugged in. Yeah. Did you try this? <laughs> it's like, whoa, it works now. It's like, we used to have an acronym. I don't know. Don't tell anybody, okay? okay. We used to have an acronym um, wait, wait, that wait. was the problems of picnic. And that was problem in chair, not in computer. Pro say again. Problem in chair, not in computer. Problem in chair, not in computer. Chair. Oh, oh, chair. oh, oh, oh. Problem chair. in chair. Yeah. Got not it. in computer. <laughs> it was a human problem, right? It's not plugged in. It's not a problem with the computer. Yeah. It becomes a problem with the computer, but it's not a problem with the computer. Yeah. yeah so. Exactly. But, you know, I just think that's an electrical metaphor because there are times when we just overlook the most obvious thing. Yeah. And, and you know, you can have the greatest machine design in the world but if, if it doesn't have the motivation doesn't have the charge doesn't have the energy to make it go you know there's yeah. a, there's a little coaching metaphor right there yeah yeah you know and even the um you know you turn on the lights it looks like it's happening instantly mm -hmm. um and yet you're at one end of the room flipping a switch and the light is over there and there you've created an entire field and you've aligned everything to make that light go on you know, like, yeah, I think that there's a lot of ways that we can use those. Uh, That's those me. Yeah. I, just, I just like to think that, you know, our our previous fields weren't just a, uh, if only I'd not done that and done this instead. It's like No, and it gives contrast. You know, one of the things that really came out of my experience was um, being able to connect with people. And as an engineer, that was not in any way, shape or form taught, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, it was, everything was about, I mean, you want values and belief structures. Everything was about the logical and the rational and the justifiable. Right. Yeah. And what I have discovered is there is a whole equally important realm 
of, you know, how are people feeling? How are they reacting? How are they communicating? How is that? And, and I used to kind of be like, that's like gooey, <laughs> that's <laughs> like gooey stuff. And now I'm sort of going, that's the really sort of um, limited, you know, the really logical structured, it's limited because you actually need both. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, we couldn't do, we couldn't do what we're doing today without engineering yep. and science, you know, it just, it's, it's impossible. Um, and perhaps a certain pandemic brought this kind of technology, you know, more to the forefront. And yet, um, and yet it's to deliver this other type of, uh, type of service and support and, and coaching, right? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So executivereflections.com, is that correct? That is it. Yes. And you can get that 15 minute boundary setting guide, 15 minute workbook. I forget what I called it, but it's 15 minutes boundaries, new boundaries, 15 minutes. Can people can contact you. And they can contact me absolutely with pleasure. And uh, yeah. And I, and I totally give a shout out and thanks to you, Doug, because it's been amazing working with you and if anybody ever needs any sleight of mouth or nlp or anything like that doug's your guy or havening havening. yeah Yeah. because havening is electrical yeah electrical chemical yeah there you go yeah although every time i see somebody do this it makes me nervous really i think like to me, this is a you know, if somebody is is anxious, they start to rub their hands. Well, that's why that calms them down. <laughs> exactly. And so when they start rubbing their hands, they start going, oh, "What's wrong? Is something what wrong?" Are they oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's wrong? And then I realize, no, it's just they're they're caving. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you'll see more and more people doing this on the subways and things these days, airports. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, Sina, exactly. thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Doug. It's really a, a pleasure to be to be here with you and to, to have this conversation. Very good. We'll see you that too. Okay. Okay. Bye for now. Bye for now. This has been the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure seeing you again. Hope to see you again real soon. Come back next week when we have another gripping and exciting episode of the Central Coaching Skills Podcast. And if you want to, you can find out more about us, each and every one of us, at EssentialCoachingSkills.com. 